Before Lowell uh, brings a, a sermon, I just wanted to pray and uh, thank the Lord for, number one, him being in my life, and us being partners together. So uh, All right. let's go ahead and pray. Why, why, Lord, are you so good to us? I do not know. I do not know why you would give the most precious gift to us in your son. For us, sinners, that deserve an eternity separated from you. And yet you've provided a way for us to have eternity with you as your sons and daughters. And in this life where we give ourselves to you and we give all that we have to you, Lord, I thank you that you've brought people into into the lives of every single person here in this church family, all of us here. You've brought us together to be able to serve you right where you want us to serve at the right time and at the right moment. Mm -hmm. Thank you for providing leadership of this body. And I thank you for Lowell and all that he has given and poured out as an offering to you. I thank you that you have guided us these past 10 years and even before, uh, divinely intertwining all of our lives together to be woven into the tapestry of, of Centerpoint Bible Church. And constantly keep bringing people to us to be part of that fabric. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given, you've given Lowell the physical strength to be able to handle things. And also the physical strength, the physical weakness not to be able to handle things so that he can depend on you. And continue to point, to point us to you and to your son, Jesus Christ. For these moments, we thank you for it. We thank you that we can celebrate, celebrate uh, all the things that you've given us, especially uh, a lead pastor. And I pray that your word would be spoken and preached with fervor as I know mm-hmm. it will be this morning. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your gifts. I pray all these things, your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Billy. You didn't have that on the order of service, so that threw me off there, buddy. He's a good man, a great partner in ministry. Well, I was at Walmart one day, and uh, I was dressed in my standard work-out-in-the-yard clothing. You know, old jeans and old t-shirt and all grass-stained and everything else, and I'm in one of the aisles, and, and I see this little face peek down the aisle. I recognized her. She was a little girl from our church. And then she jumped back, and I could, I'm walking towards where she's at, and I can hear her talking to her mom. And she says, he's right down, right down the aisle. And I hear the mom answering back and said, he's, he's here and he doesn't have on his normal clothes. <laughs> and the mom kind of, you know, explains a little bit. And I quickly figure out what, what's going on. Is this little girl, you know, who part of, part of our church at the time, I guess she was convinced like I always wore, you know, like a pair of slacks and like a standard center point shirt. Oh, they won't have it on this morning. You know, I must have been born in pastor clothes, right? And, and this little girl was just kind of like freaked out that I was there and I wasn't in, you know, normal pastor wear. She just really couldn't understand that. Do you remember that? Like, do you remember when you were a child and you saw your teacher at a restaurant? You were like, oh, they eat? I didn't know that they ate. 
funny how we get about people who do ministry or, or do teaching or do whatever. You see your doctor, you see your friend or, or whatever they might be. You see them in a different environment and it just kind of freaks us out a little bit. The reason why I'm starting with that crazy little story is I want us to look today at the life of Jesus. And if you look in your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 4 is where I'm going to be. Um, just to remind you where we're at, we're, we're walking through the gospel of Matthew. But, but what we're going to begin now to do, we've been doing this together in, in many ways, is we're going to focus now on the ministry life of Jesus. We're going to focus on his life as, as what he did and, and how he operated. And, and I want to deal with an idea that I think is in many people's minds. And, and I'm, I'm going to force you now to, to maybe change your thinking a little bit because we look at Jesus and we say, well, this is the ministry of Jesus. And we're going to see him shortly um, teaching. We're going to see him preaching. We're going to see him healing. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to take a, take a pencil or take a pen, if you have worship notes, and I want you to change something right now on your paper to illustrate and to bring a truth to your mind. And that is that in the life of Jesus and in the life of his followers, and I hope in the life of this man, that it's not the ministry life of Jesus, it's not the ministry plan of Jesus, but it is the life of Jesus that we want to look at. There is a difference. I want us to see today from God's word that this is how Jesus lived his life. This isn't something that he just did on, you know, an hour and a half on Sunday morning or on some day during the week when he went and did ministry. But we're going to look at God's word at what characterized Jesus' life. Not his ministry, but his life. I, there was a time when I wasn't a pastor. Do you know that? I don't know if you, many of you know my full story of how God brought me to this place. But I wasn't always a pastor. I appreciated the testimony of our, of our missionary today. And just talking about his life before. We all had a life before. There was a time in my life where I, I wasn't a pastor. I, I honestly would have had... No, my, no thought in my heart that I would ever be a pastor. That's not something I saw in my future, but, but God had a different plan. And at that time, I, I really pictured guys or ladies or whoever who were, who were doing this ministry as some kind of like really oddballs, little, just some different people. Good seeing you, man. Sorry, I just saw you guys. I, I saw these people as somebody different, as, 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 as a unique kind of strange figure. And what I've come to realize is that was a wrong thinking. Jesus doesn't want us for an hour a week. He doesn't want you for two hours a week. He doesn't want you for a few hours a month. He wants your life. And that's where the best life is. Your best life is in submission to the Lordship of Christ. In relationship with him. And allowing him, his spirit, to work through you. And it'll look like the life of Jesus. So we want to demolish this barrier today that we craft between ministry and life. Between secular and sacred. Between things I do for God and things I do in the world. No, there is no delineation. They are to be one in the same. 
Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to briefly look today. Look with me at verse number 23 of Matthew chapter 4. Let's, let's read it together. Matthew records. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Now what's going to happen here in the Gospel of Matthew, remember we talked about this before, that Matthew does not really show us a chronological picture of the life of Jesus. That's not the way that Matthew writes. It's more thematic. And it's interesting, you can see one of these themes playing out. If you turn over just a couple pages to Matthew chapter 9 and look at the end of chapter 9. Matthew 9, verse number 35. It's important you turn there if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And look what Matthew records here. And it says in verse 35, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. Do you see what we have here? We have a very similar description of what Jesus is doing. We have him in Matthew chapter 4, going into all the region, and teaching, and preaching, and proclaiming the gospel. And then we have in Matthew 9, Jesus going through all the region, teaching, and preaching, and proclaiming the gospel. This is what Jesus did. This is his life, going and teaching and preaching and and allowing people to see that he is the Christ. Between Matthew 4 and Matthew chapter 9, we have Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7. And if you look at those, you'll recognize that that much of it is in red. If you have one of those types of Bibles, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's 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 a vast teaching of Jesus. And then we get to chapters 8 and 9. This is the healing ministry of Jesus. Him really living out his lordship over man's problems. See, what Matthew is showing us is this is what the life of Jesus looked like. And I want to challenge us today that, that our lives should reflect these same things. Oh, you may not wear a bathrobe and walk around the desert. I get all that, okay? Jesus didn't either. That's not what, that's not what he's wearing. But we are to be living out the gospel in the same way that Jesus did. And I want to look at four things that kind of describe and and depict the ministry of Jesus and challenge us to these four things as well. First of all, I want us to see that Jesus had an incarnation ministry. Are you familiar with this term incarnation? It means in flesh is what it means. That Jesus is God incarnate. God becomes a man. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And when we see Jesus, we see God. And Jesus didn't come into the world as as some great big noble king-like figure. He came in as a regular man. A regular child who grew to be a regular man. And lived out an incarnation ministry. Jesus truly lived with people. We see here in verse number 23 that he goes throughout Galilee. 
He teaches in their synagogues and, and proclaiming the kingdom. It says that he, went, his, his, it, he spread, his fame did, throughout Syria and Judea and in all the land. He's with people. Jesus comes to the earth and lives with people so they can see him. They can see what God is like. It says here they went through all Galilee teaching their synagogues and he goes to all these villages and all these, all these different lands. And let me just say a word about that. The historian Josephus, who wrote shortly after the life of Christ, who was not a believer, says that there were 200 villages all around the Sea of Galilee. And as we read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's almost like the, the presence of physical illness is just gone. I mean, they are just bringing people to Jesus, and he's healing them. And all these, these sick people and these, these people who are struggling, who have, who have had illness since birth, and Jesus comes and lays hands on them, and they're healed. And we get all excited about that healing ministry. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But what I want us to see now is that Jesus is with people. He's with his disciples. He's with the hurting people. He's with people who need him. And what he's doing there is living out John 1, verse number 14. Look at this verse. It says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, this word dwelt is significant. Here's what it means. It literally means, the word dwelt there means to pitch a tent is what it means. That God, the word, John 1, 1, he is God. The word became flesh and pitched a tent among us. What a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And we see, when we see Jesus, we see the glory of the Father. I like to say it this way. Imagine what it would be like if God became a man and lived among us and talked with us and laughed with us and cried with us. Imagine what that would be like. Well, he did. And his name is Jesus. And he models for us the kind of ministry that God is calling us to. An incarnation ministry. I started to share, when I came up here and Billy grabbed me, I started to share where, where we first, as a church, were introduced to the country of Myanmar. I was in seminary back in, in the early 2000s. And you know, at that time in my life, I, I thought I was pretty fit. I thought I was pretty strong. I really did. And this man was in, sem was in seminary with me. His name was Nol Mai. And one day, I'd see him, I'd see him once in a while. And, and, and you know, just looked different than me, talked different than me. But I didn't really have a chance to talk to him. But one day, they brought him up in front of the chapel. And he shared with us. He was a few years older than me, probably a decade older than me. How what his ministry looked like was loading a backpack full of Bibles and, and hiking up those mountains that we saw and delivering those Bibles and study materials into the interior of these regions. And he would hike for days to get to a village and bring them copies of the Word of God. I got to meet him and, and I was just so impressed by his sacrifice and his willingness to be with the people that he was going to reach. There were opportunities for him to stay here in the minister, but he couldn't. He had to go back to Myanmar 
So back he went. Listen, you and I are to have an incarnation ministry. The world you live in needs Christ. Jesus modeled to us going to the world, not bringing people to us. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. As you're going, you preach the gospel. So you and I, wherever you're going, you don't have to go to Myanmar, although maybe you should, okay? But you don't have to go there. You're going to work tomorrow. You're going to Walmart right after church. I see you all there waiting in line at Subway, just like me. We're there, right? As we go, we live out this incarnation ministry that Jesus did. You're there. And you are the best person to be with the people that God has you with to influence them with the gospel. Live out this incarnation ministry that Jesus did. Now, what did he do when he was there? Well, it says there in verse 23, as he goes into all the Galilee, he's teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Could you please get me some water? Thanks. So they're preaching the gospel and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Thanks. Sorry. I get a little thirsty right now. So what is this about? Well, first of all, I want you to see the order. I want us to see the order. It says here that he is teaching in the synagogues. He is proclaiming the gospel and healing every disease. Now, I find that significant, okay? And I believe that what we have here is Jesus modeling for us the kind of ministry that we need to be living out. He's teaching in the synagogues. Now, I'll give you a little bit of history about that. I won't bore you too much. But the synagogues grew out of the Babylonian captivity that you and I talked about this summer. When the Babylonians came and crushed the Jewish people and destroyed the temple, what happened was this this growth of the synagogue occurred. And in every single small village where there was a certain number of men, they would establish a synagogue. And a synagogue became a place where the word of God was taught. And so when a visiting rabbi like Jesus or like Paul would come to a community, they would go to the synagogue and they would teach the Bible. Now, they didn't have a New Testament, they had the Old Testament, and they would walk through that. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He is teaching in the synagogues. We see in Luke 4 what it looks like, where he opens up the scroll to Isaiah. He goes to a passage in Isaiah that speaks of him, and he says, Behold, today this is being fulfilled. So he took God's word, and he showed them that he is the Christ. And that's the first thing that he did. He went into the synagogue and proclaimed the truth and reminded people like us, people that included believers who knew who God was, he would proclaim to them the truth so that we, as you would, would be shot out into our world. Because here's the truth. If you and I are not filled up with God's truth as the Spirit fills us and enables us when we're shot out into the world, we will crash. Listen, I, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I believe this. 
You and I both, me as well, we need to come together and have God, his spirit, use his word to teach us, to prepare us. Because we live in a world that is dominated by evil. And when we go into the world, we are opposed by the system of the world. And so we must be built up in Christ to maturity. Paul says this over and over and over, to be built up, to be built up, to be built up. Oh, I pity the believer. I pity the believer who thinks they don't need, who thinks they don't need the equipping, maturing presence of the body of Christ and the word of Christ in their life. They are a casualty waiting to happen. And when you fall, you will take with you many other innocent people in your wake. Jesus starts there. He starts there. And he goes to people who are ready to receive. Okay? They're in the synagogue. They've chosen to be there. They're ready to receive. And so Jesus goes there and points them to him. So what kind of ministry are we talking about here? It's a communication ministry with truth. Secondly, he proclaims the gospel of the kingdom. Now, this word proclaim, your Bible may say preaching, okay? It simply means heralding. You know what that means? It means shouting it out with passion. That's what Jesus is doing. He goes into the streets and with passion calls people to the gospel of the kingdom. Now, what's the gospel of the kingdom? Well, it's good news, first of all. It's good news. And it's good news that there is a king and he desires and, de- and, and deserves to rule in our lives. So Jesus goes out into the streets now. He goes out into the streets with the people. Incarnation ministry and proclaims with passion. Calls people to the rulership of God. This is what we must do. We must preach the gospel at all times. Now, when I tell you to preach the gospel, you're picturing this. You're picturing what I'm doing right now. You're like, well, it would be weird if I walked up front with a Bible and a notebook and a little stand and a, and a water bottle and just, you know, did this in my office. Yeah, I would. They'd drive you out. First they'd fire you, then they'd drive you out. But that's not what it has to look like. It's you. Passionately calling to somebody else towards the lordship of God. See, if you're here today, I believe you know that there is one God and there is one Savior and there is no other path to him except through this one Savior. That's the only road. And so you passionately now share that with people that you love. And you passionately share that with people who hate you. Because they need to know that truth. This is what Jesus did. This communication ministry of truth. And you and I need to live the same kind of ministry in the world that we are in. So he preaches the good news of the kingdom. And then finally he does this. We need to talk about this a little bit. He's healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, healing is an interesting thing because a lot of us, you know, we have, some of us have a, have a background with, with some of these odd things that, that are out there. You know, you've got the, the, the faith healing groups and, the, and maybe you came from an environment, a, a church setting where, 
where healing was something that was emphasized over and over and over. And, and these kind of verses people will take and, and bring ideas to our minds that don't exactly align with Scripture. So what's going on here with Jesus? Well, first of all, we need to understand that the point of Jesus' healing ministry is primarily to confirm who he is. The, 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 the Gospels describe Jesus now throughout Galilee and people are coming and pressing in to see him. So much so that at one time they put him in a boat and they take him out into the water so people can't get to him. So they can't press up to him. Why is that? Why would this healer who's there on the planet in the region, why is he getting a boat to go out in the water so people can't get to him? Because Jesus' primary ministry is not healing. It's not. Jesus isn't healing to take away our temporary or temporal pain. Now I look across the room and some of you experience pain. I'm talking physical pain. And that is hard. If you haven't had a time with physical pain, it will, it will bring you down like nothing. Am I right? It will empty you of everything you have. At least you think so. And sometimes we cry out. I've been there where I cry out, God, heal me. Heal me. But rarely, rarely does it seem to happen. Why is that? Because God is demonstrating a truth to us. That when we are weak, he is strong. When we have nothing, he has everything. When we are at our end, all we have left to do is point to Jesus. People are coming to Jesus now, and they're broken. They're filled with demons. They're paralytic. This, was, this would just mean in some way that they cannot walk. They, they maybe are, are, are you know, lame for some reason. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're paralyzed. The word doesn't mean paralyzed there. It really just means lame. Maybe they were injured. Maybe they were born that way. We don't really know, but they come hurting. And Jesus meets them there and points them to truth. Now, one of the things that comes in our mind is does Jesus still heal today? Now, I want to say this about healing, and, and i got to be careful my time here. We'll, we'll come back to this, because in chapters 8 and 9, it is Jesus healing left and right. It's like he's walking down the streets, just heal, 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 heal. So we'll deal with that then a little more. But, but I, want to, I want to start to deal with just a little bit now, because it's on my heart, and maybe it's on yours as well. So does Jesus still heal? Yes, he does. But in the biblical record, in the, in the progress of Revelation... There are two primary times, there are two primary times where we see, where we see a great amount of a healing ministry, of a confirmation ministry, of God doing these huge acts that just blow our minds. One is during this time of Jesus' life and into the start of the church. There's a period of about 10 to 15 years where there is a huge amount of, of God doing these supernatural acts where people are being healed, where people are, are being, demons are being cast out of people. There's a great amount of demon possession in the world during this time. And then in church history, it kind of fizzles out. 
There was another time, in case you're interested. It's during the time of Elijah and Elisha, okay? All the way back in the Old Testament history. So we have this, we have this upswing of this, this supernatural, dynamic confirmation ministry, and then it fizzles out. And God does a different thing. God does a different thing. And then Jesus comes onto the scene. And it's like Satan in all of his power kicks it up with this huge demonic activity. And Jesus and Peter and John and the rest of the apostles are on the scene. We see this upswing of this, of this dynamic, supernatural, blow your mind, confirm in your heart, wow, activity. And then it fizzles out. So does Jesus still heal? Does the Spirit of God still heal? You better believe he does, yes. But primarily he heals in the area of these things. Think about this, you guys. And, and, and understand, listen, I know your back may hurt. Your side may be bothering you. You might have a bum leg or a bum ear or anything like that, okay? And you know what? I, I, I've walked some of that walk. I know. But compared to these things that Jesus is healing every single day, that he's willing to heal today, those things, they only last a lifetime, folks. They only last a lifetime. Your bad back, it only lasts a lifetime. Your chronic headache, only a lifetime. Look at these things. Bondage to sin. Do you remember what it was like to be in slavery to sin? Jesus heals that problem and makes us now a slave of righteousness. Do you remember fearing and knowing that death was ahead of you? Do you remember that? I do. I do. I remember at 15 years of age, waking up through the night. You may think it sounds a little strange, but you know I was a little odd kid anyway. And coming down my hallway to my parents, seeking out spiritual truth, going to them. They were unbelievers. And me saying, if I died tonight, how do I know I don't go to hell? Waking my parents up and asking them that. You might be like, man, you were an odd little kid. Maybe so. But God woke me up. My parents did not answer the question. They didn't know what to say. This is what they said. Listen, my mom's with Christ today. She came to, she came to Jesus. My dad later came to Jesus. But first it was me. My mom said this. Oh, Mickey, you don't need to worry the simple fact that you're concerned means that you'll go to heaven just like us. Okay? I go back to bed. I lay there in my bed and I think, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Fear of death, knowing that it's ahead of me separated from God. I knew I was separated from God. But God in his grace has healed that part of my heart. He has given me a new spirit, a new heart. I don't fear death. I'm adopted by God. I am a son of God brought into his family. There is only life ahead for us. 
Bondage to sin, no more. Broken. Oh, that doesn't mean I don't have it in my life. I deal with it just like you. But I'm no longer a slave to sin. Before Christ, I couldn't help but sin. I had no help. I couldn't help but fall over and over again. But in Christ now, a slave to righteousness. Listen, I'll take my, ba- I'll take my bad back. I'll take my chronic headache. I'll take my finger that drives me crazy because it just keeps hurting. And I'll take this. You better believe Jesus heals today. He heals spirits and he heals hearts. Now, can God heal? You better believe it. You better believe he can heal. If you have a hurt, if you have a sickness, if you have an illness, yes, you pray. Matter of fact, James 5 says that you should go to the elders and you should ask them to pray that you might be healed. And you should do that. And then wait. And meanwhile, live out what Jesus lived. By his wounds, we are healed. Verse 24. So Jesus' fame, it spread throughout Syria. And they brought him all those who were sick and afflicted. Great clouds, verse 25, great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and from the Jordan. That region that Matthew describes is a hundred mile radius. Before cars, before trains, before planes, they're walking hundred miles through a desert to find Jesus. His fame is spreading. The world is being woken up. God is at work throughout the region. And they bring people to him, oppressed by demons and epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great crowds followed him from Galilee and the region around. I want to say this just to wrap up. You see, Jesus is still in the business of transforming lives. He still does it. He still does it. We're going to focus on how he confirmed who he was. But I want to just remind you of what Jesus said, the primary means that he would confirm. This is how it is that Jesus, just 17 verses later, Jesus is going to explain what he's going to do and how he's going to wake up your neighbors and your family and your coworkers. Here's what it's going to be. It's not going to be some supernatural zap that you're going to bring into your office. That's not what it's going to be. Look in John chapter 9 and read John chapter 10 and see the people who saw the miracles of Jesus. John chapter 9, a man born blind. Jesus heals him, okay? He's now able to see 20-20 vision. The whole community sees it. They bring him in. They bring in the, the, now guy, the guy who can now see and they say, how did this happen? You are demon possessed. That's the only way this could happen. People saw the miracles and they still rejected Jesus. You see, miracles are all well and fine, but they don't convince a human heart. Your life does. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 5 in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, I, kn- I know that many of you live and work and operate in a dark, dark place. And I hurt for you. And I want to pray for you. 
But your ultimate source of strength is Jesus. It ain't me. It's Jesus. That he might use your light where you're at to show the world that he's done a work in your life. You know, they may not believe what I have to say. They may not believe what some other person here in this room says. But people seeing your life changed and impacted by the gospel will be listened to. Jesus said it. He said it. So it's true. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your grace. Oh, we need it, Lord, every day. I pray, Lord, for the body here. I pray, Lord, that we would be rooted in you and built up in you and that you would allow us to see your spirit using us. Lord, I pray for the person that might be discouraged right now. Lord, they're, they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed by life, by the opposition they're experiencing. They may feel like they're all alone. They're the only one at their school or on their team or at their workplace or in their home or in their community or wherever it may be. God, would you encourage them right now? Let them know that with you, there's a new start. They can live for you today and that you will use your word You will use them. You do change lives. Father, remind us of this. And may we look to you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.